0: Hello, brothers and sisters, Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be back with you here on this episode. Uh, I want to go ahead and talk on this episode about a question that was sent in. But before I do, I want to mention it's been a few weeks before... Uh, since I've been able to get on the podcast and, and so I apologize for that But Anna and I have been in the middle of Obviously most of you know me That we have switched churches uh, We got voted into a church down in Wichita Where I've been preaching every service And I'm a pastor there And we have uh, uh, Working with a man named Gary Ledbetter has been pastoring there 43 years And his health isn't well So we've been helping them And being just an adjustment period for us And uh, we've been looking at houses and things we finally found a house that we think will suit us down in hayesville we're really excited about just been some adjustment time so pray for us i appreciate that but boy it's been wonderful we've been seeing souls saved and lives touched just a little revival going on down there and so but i want to continue on these podcasts, and I'll try to get back to where I was every other week. But as I was thinking about this last question that was asked, it was asked to me about a month ago, but I've been hesitant on 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 doing it. I've been studying a lot up on it, and this topic deserves many, many podcasts. You know, I try to make my podcast around 20 minutes, but the t- the question was is how come the Bible's been translated so many times and, you know, what are we to do with it? Uh, which, which should we use? And so I want to try to answer that question. It's a great question because, in reality, there's been about 900 different English translations. Now, we know probably of around 10 that we normally would hear of. But, you know, there's been 900 times it's been translated at least at some type of translation. Now, whether that be a paraphrase or a thought for thought, a meaning for meaning, or a word for word. Those are the four categories when you look at the way the Bible has been translated that you'll think of. And so, you know, the most common uh, Bible that there is, the authorized version, the King James. That's the most common Bible that's been translated since 1611, King James. And uh, But then there are newer things. Uh, the Christian Standard Bible, that's one of the newest ones that I know of. That's more of a thought for thought, but it also uh, is argued. It's, it's, an, it's almost an argument because many people say, well, it's a word for word because it's closest to the English standard version. And so as we talk about and then there's a new American standard Bible, you know, there's the NIV Bible. There's a new living translation Bible. There's the NIRV Bible, the message Bible. And so uh, there's all these bibles that that we need to talk about and and I want I don't want to talk about each bible but I want to kind of a, just a brief overview talk about a little bit of the history and it's so important First of all, we can't understand the first Bible that was written, the first Bible that was compiled. Uh, we don't speak the language. So it's important to know that whatever we read, unless you understand the, the you know, the original, you know, classical Hebrew, or you understand Greek, and, and you can go back to the Septuagint and read it, then we, anything we're reading is a translation. But having said that, through the years when things have been translated, these were taken great caution to be able to translate them. For instance, and whenever the King James Version was compiled, they, they finally allowed, uh, the king allowed people to but he didn't. He didn't go and say, "Well, I want to write out what the Bible says." He took the the Oxford and Cambridge and Westminster. He took these major schools, these major colleges. I mean, these these tried and true places. And and he combined them. And he said, "Look, come up with a group of scholars, and I want you guys to sit down and I want you to study them. I want you to really search the scriptures and compile uh, and vote on what is the best words to use and the way to translate this scripture." So it gives me great. Uh, uh, confirmation. It gives me great consolation, if you will, to understand that there were some old boys a lot smarter than me and some old girls that studied the scripture, that they studied language. And that's what's real important about when we talk about translations is you have to understand language. And I, I don't claim to understand language, but I know a little bit from what I've studied about language. And so it's real important when we look at these scriptures to know if I'm reading the message Bible, and you know, I've made even jokes in reference, I'll be honest, about the paraphrase, but when I'm reading it, it is like a storybook. I read it and then and the understanding that I'm going to get a brief overview of what the scripture is, and I encourage people. No matter what you do, pick up a, a copy, a translation of the scripture. Hey, if you can read classical Hebrew, I want you to read classical Hebrew. But I cannot read that, so I have what you call I have uh, my Bible that I carry. It's a Greek study Bible, and and it's a Greek Hebrew Shaldi. It has the 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 dictionary in the back and so i can find a word for instance if it has the word spirit i can open it up and on the on the in the dictionary it gives me the strong's number for it which will be a number 3022 i can go there and look at that and here's what i find when i look at the meaning i find it, it normally will say it means uh for instance you know um one of the things that I've been studying on is uh, one of the words, you know, mercy uh, uh, or love. And so so mercy, one of the things of mercy, one of the words it may say is beauty. So it's mercy and beauty. And it'll have a, for instance, it may be translated 10 times uh, beauty, uh, uh, 12 times mercy, but that word that, whatever number it is, just say the number 3,000. The number 3,000 could mean all these different words because the language in the Greek the Hebrew, the Shadi, in these different languages. And then, by the way, also the Bible is translated into Latin. So when you see that, it can mean all these different words in Greek or in Hebrew, the classical Hebrew. And so our language is being English. It's very difficult to translate the scripture exactly because our language is so much more broad than what the Hebrew language was. And that's important to understand. But these scholars in Oxford, Cambridge and Westminster, their job was to take our language and try to come up with what they thought. But then when they did it they did it in 1611 the original King James version and so and it if you've ever read one it's very difficult to understand because back then see language evolves and so that's why we get these different translations we evolve but at the same time I love the King James version that's what I preach out of and I'll tell you one of the reasons why I like the King James it's not because I believe it's the only translation not because I believe the Spirit of God works through it more I like it because that's what I started on and plus I like it because it's not exactly. It doesn't speak how I speak. So when I look at the King James version, it's easier for me to memorize because I believe in memorization of Scripture. Now I need to do better. I'm sure I should need to have a bit better knowledge of the Word, but I like it and I can remember it better. And that's one of the reasons why I use it. But also, it's just what I started on. The you know where I was at in Wellington for you know 15 years. That's what we preached out of. So I'll continue to use that. But I also love the Christian Standard Bible. I. Strongly recommend this to you. If you haven't read it... Alistair Begg was one of the people that had the you know put his stamp on it and kind of reviewed it. And it was kind of, it's like the English Standard Version. And the English Standard Version, let me say this, is more of a word-for-word translation than the King James Version. So if you have an ESV Bible, I've heard people say that ESV that's not a good translation. It's actually more of a word-for-word than the King James, so it is a good translation. You know, the NASB, you know, it's more the New American Standard Bible. It's the most closest word-to-word translation you can get as far as that I know on the Bible charts that I've looked at. So be careful when you say, and and by the way, the new King James Version, real, real close to King James Version. And But but I've heard people say, well, the King James is the only one. Well, look at any Bible chart that the scholars and the people that study language agree on. And most of them agree. Sometimes they'll switch a little on, from one thing to the next. You know, you might be seeing ESV closer to an ESB than the NASB. But my point is, is these are all good translations. Now, when I read the message Bible, or whenever I read uh, even the CSB Bible, I know that's the Christian Standard Bible or the Message Bible. I know the Message Bible is mostly a paraphrase. It's going to be very general. I don't like it. That that I'll be honest, I don't like it. The certain translations that I've spoke of speak of the Virgin Mary as a young woman instead of a virgin. But you see, that's I don't think people are intentionally, you know, demon possessed, if you will. I've heard people say some bizarre things, but maybe they are just trying to take out the the, the scripture. Maybe they are trying to take out the meaning, and I don't like how it. It doesn't, you know, it's more uh, politically correct, if you will. I don't like it. But whenever I read that translation, I know that. Now, I don't even own one, to be honest, the message, but I've read parts out of it. I, I like a parallel. I like to look at the scripture in different versions. And if I like a certain version, I'll use that. And let me say something about language. This is important, is that some people just want a paraphrased Bible. They want it to know just broadly what it is. And that's fine. And you can look at it and say, you know, hey, you know, there was a woman there with a guy there and they were there and here's where they were in Judah. And that's fine. The thing is, is one thing I like about reading that's closer to word-for-word word translation is that remember, like I said, in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Shadi, the one word meant multiple things. And so when we look at a language as it's translated, it's important to remember that we, we call it ambiguous. That's the word that that I that I've researched. It's an ambiguous text. And the scripture was meant to be ambiguous. And the word ambiguous means basically that it can mean, it can mean different things. It can mean mercy. It can mean beauty. It can mean bands or it can mean love. Those words can mean the same thing. He says that I will, I will gather you in with my bands of love. I've, I've walked with you in my bands of love, Hosea tells us. And those bands can mean love themselves. Those bands can mean a restriction or they can also just mean love. They can, they can, the one word can mean different things. Beauty can mean mercy or it can mean wonderful or victorious. Those things are good. And the reason why they're good is because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. So when I read the scripture now, make no mistake, the Bible can't mean two opposite things. But when we look at language, we have to remember that that we, hey, we have words that mean different things. I can say, I will do something I, I will or then I can say, but will I do something or I can say my will that lives in me? My will is the things I do. I'm doing things that I will to do or will I do it? Am I going to do it? Those that's one word, you know, I can say rain or rain and I know they're spelled differently, but one can mean, can I rain? Like can a King reign over the people? Or I can also say rain, the rains like her on horses, or I can say rain that rains down on top of my head. And when I say it, I don't say R E I N R A I N or, you know, I don't say those things, but when I say it, it, it means different things according to what's said before what I've said. You know what the meaning of that word is. So see, we can have the same word, even the spelled exactly the same, but it's ambiguous. It can mean different things. And, you know, I love it that the word of God is ambiguous. I don't have to pinpoint it down to meaning one certain thing and when a translator translated that people way smarter than you and i i don't know maybe you maybe you know language real well maybe you've studied some of these people could speak 15 and 20 different languages i mean they're professors they have their doctorate and, they, and theology and understanding and they would spend hours on one little text but, you know, at the same time at Oxford or Cambridge or Westminster, they may have seen those things and, and said, hey, you know, I don't agree, but they would come to a collective agreement together. And that gives me great comfort whenever I read the scripture this translated in English. Of course, we know the Vulgate, it was translated by Jerome in the fourth century. We know in the fall of Rome, uh, after the fall of Rome in the fifth century, it was translated into, into Latin. And then we know that the monasteries, Christian monasteries, uh, actually, excuse me, when, when Rome that came in and, and conquered the Christian monasteries collected all the texts. We know the British soldiers brought back the Bible to the 1300s. They brought it back and said, look, and then matter of fact, John Wycliffe, he took and translated it. He took and printed it. And you can find this stuff. To, it's, it's just not doing it justice to run through it quickly, but you can go to YouTube and just research a little video on, on why the Bible uh, was translated or, or the history of the Bible. And you'll see these things. You know, people got so upset at Wycliffe Cliff, they actually dug his bones up and burned it. They hated it. And, and the truly, quote unquote, religious people, They didn't want it translated. They said, hey, we don't want common people to be able to understand the scripture. And I mean, that's been the heart, that's the problem. The devil is behind all this garbage when we fight and argue about the scripture. It really keeps people away from the scripture. I encourage you, embrace the scripture. Embrace the idea of the ambiguous text. Allow the Holy Spirit. The first thing I do when I read the scripture, I say, God, help me to understand. Help me to be enlightened. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And and I read the Bible uh, when I first got saved 15 years ago. I read the scripture and it meant one thing to me. But now 15 years later, I read it again. And through revelation and through my understanding, my understanding has grown. I heard a pastor, Pastor Joplin down in Derby, a good friend of mine. He said this. I was got saved and I was right with God. And I didn't know. I barely knew Jonah and Noah. That was about all I knew and Moses because I went to church you know, every two or three years, whether we needed to or not on Easter's. And, and that's what we did. Uh, we'd, we'd always find a Baptist church. Didn't know why, but that's what mom wanted to do. That's what we did. And uh, I had no relationship with God, but when I got saved, I got right with God. I said, I want to read the scripture. Where should I read? And I'll never forget what Joplin told me. He said, read, just start reading somewhere. And I said, which one should I get? He said, well, <laughs> you know, I, you, I have a King James, the English standard version. At that time I think he did. He said, But you know, I'd read one of them. Which one you got? And I think I had the New King James. He said, Then I'd read that one. You already got it. And he said, I'd start reading it. And I said, Where should you start? He said, Anywhere, from front to the back, wherever you want to. And I thought it was funny. I was like, come on, man, give me the power chapter. Give me, give me what's going to give me the most knowledge. And I said, Why do you say anywhere? Because I've heard people say start in John. I heard people say start in the beginning and go to the end. I heard people say, make sure you read it from the beginning to the end. Don't jump in the middle and don't just open the Bible and read it. He said, Read it anywhere. Because he said, what you'll find is that most people just don't read it. And you know what I find about translations? I find out that a lot of people buy them, but they don't pick them up and read them. They don't engage in the scriptures give God an opportunity to talk to them. Do I love the word for word translations? Absolutely. I try to stick to those things, but I've learned to appreciate uh, the CSB Bible. I've learned to appreciate uh, you know these different translations, so I can, especially when I get into the more difficult these and thou's. I can I can raid through it quicker, and then I take back and I look at it according to my King James. And by the way, some of these different translations they've taken out parts of the Bible, and I've heard people. Say, they take out a part of the Bible and they're horrible and and these people and you know in, in the other revelation it says that if anybody adds or takes away from this book then they'll be cursed you know I mean basically I mean that's a that's a high. Standard to live by, but then I found out that there's a lot of things in the King James Version that are italicized, they're in italics, and those words were added by the people that translated it in Oxford, Cambridge, Westminster. That King James put his stamp on and said this will be the official Bible. That, when they looked at that, they didn't flow well, so they added the its and the ands and the does. They added those things because it just didn't flow, and there was a bridge they had to cross to get from one language to the other. And then I found out that a lot of those things weren't in the original text, the classical Hebrew, they were added before. And so those things then the the some of the other Bibles, the CSB, the NIV, they took those things out. But then people said, well, but they were in the King James. Well they were, but they were also added. And to without getting into that, the point is is that when I read them, I've read many translations, and, and I like to, use, uh, I've studied more in the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, and the King James Version, and some in the ESV, but when I look at it, I don't see an opposite text. And by the way, this thing's been being translated since really one of the first scriptures were like 700 BC. I mean, they had the Bibles, they they had, excuse me, the letters, and they had passed them down from generation to generation. But the first compiled version, the Old Testament, I mean, that was thousands, you know, 2,800 years ago-ish, uh, around the first time. But I'm telling you, whenever they translated those things, they, they took great caution. But those original texts weren't even used by the early church church. The early church would have used you know this Septuagint like in 50 to, to 80 AD after Jesus died. So I mean those texts were different and you know what? You know what I find out from from 700 before Christ to 80 after his death and then 1611 KJV and all the way up until now, I find not one contradiction. Think about that. Think about the idea that that no one's ever proven the Bible wrong. Never has someone proven 5 billion copies in 2,000 languages. It's never been proven wrong. Now people say, oh, this looks different. That looks different. Well, if I write a letter to you, in my uh, limited English, if you will, because it's very limited, you know, whatever my Southern redneck or my, my, you know, my, my upbringing, where I came from, someone may read that in Seattle or someone read that in New York and go, what is he saying? Why is he saying it that way? You might read from a scholar. You've probably read from many scholars and you're like, wow, you know, that is deep. That is heavy. You won't get that in the things I read, my point that I write. My point is, is it may need something a little bit different to you. If my wife, wife reads a love letter from me, it might be different than one that I write to the church or to my children after I'm dead. It'll it'll mean different things to them. And I want it to mean different things to my wife than it does to my grandkids. I want it to mean different things to my aunts and my uncles as it does to my own children, to my own wife, to my own family. And that's okay because the scripture, our language, not just the scripture, our language is ambiguous. And this, And the text of the Bible should be ambiguous. It should be open to where when I read it when I'm first saved, it's like you know, God transcends higher. His mercies are new every day but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and he's constantly, you'll never reach the, the height of understanding God 100% and that's the way he wrote the text. He wrote the text that we could fall in love with him with his language. I mean, you read Song of Solomon and it just comes off of the page at you, the love that he has for his people and by the way as I'm saved the longer I serve God the more I know he loves me and the more I see in the text to where he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I'm loved and I feel more loved every day because we have the scripture with the ambiguous text that means different things at different times in my life when I'm going through the valley though I walk through the valley of the shadow death I will fear no evil when I'm in a valley that means so much to me that means so much to me and also when my family and I see my church members go through a deep valley, I use that text for them because I've walked with it in that valley. That means something to me, but it's different. The, the more I struggle, the more I understand the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. When I'm suffering, that text means so much more to me when I'm suffering because that means that glory when I get to heaven or when I get through this trial, that's gonna mean so much more to me. I'm telling you, I believe, but I'm telling you when I'm on the mountaintop, that scripture doesn't have the same depth, the same meaning, but I can look back and remember when I was in that valley or when I was in that struggle that I understand the word of God more and more that's what the scripture does for me it means different things at different times in my life and according to where I read it and I just encourage you friends ask the spirit of God to be able to help you get in the word of God like my good friend said get in the word of God read the word of God and saturate yourself in the word of God and memorize the word of God meditate on the word of God get in the word of God if you get in the word of God the word of God will get into you And remember what the scripture says. It says, I hide the word of God in my heart that I may not sin against the Lord. That's what we need to do, friends. We need to get in the word of God. Look at a Bible chart. I encourage you to go to YouTube, watch some of those videos. And friends, I hope this has been encouraging to you. I couldn't even scratch the surface of what I wanted to you. You be praying for Anna and I. We're going through a big transition. I've been leaning on God extra strong lately. And I'll tell you, that's one thing I'm encouraged is that it's no, I can lean on him. And the more I lean on him, the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. So friends, I pray that he directs your path today. Till next time, friends. God bless.